0: Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey Amarillo is sponsored this week by Lemieux Company, a video-first marketing agency. Lemieux Company works to build better content and tell better stories through video. You can find Lemieux Company on Facebook, Instagram, and at lemieux.company. That's L-E-M-I-E-U-X. Today's guest is Suzanne Wheeler, and this interview has a little bit different flavor. Suzanne is a relative newcomer to Amarillo. Her first arrival involved buying a weekend home on the rim of Palo Duro Canyon a few years back. I mean, actually, she saw this area as a vacation spot. She lived in Tulsa at the time. And then, pretty recently, she decided to relocate here permanently. She works with Mariner Wealth Advisors, and she saw something here in the people, in the area, the weather, the growth, the opportunity she fell in love with Amarillo. And it was enough to compel her to move here full time. She opened a brand new office here less than a year ago. And Suzanne brings that unique perspective. It's a perspective of someone who was once an outsider and is now deeply involved in the city. So here's Suzanne Wheeler. Suzanne Wheeler, thank you for being on the Hey, Marilla podcast. Welcome.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: So I, I'd like to talk uh, a little bit about your career, about what you do. But before we get to that point, the thing I always ask my guests is how did you end up in this area? So tell me that story.
1: It's really an interesting and unique story. I, I, my son went to WT we came out here to visit him, and as luck has it, you drive five and a half hours. I'm from Tulsa. Okay. And uh, he had all the time in the world when I was in the car, but when I arrived, you know, he got a better offer. So my husband and I just started driving around, uh, drove out to Paladura Canyon, and I saw a sign that said Paladura Canyon Estates. And we drove down there. Uh, there was a house for sale that I fell in love with and we owned it in 60 days. Wow.
0: So still you were living in Tulsa at the time. I was.
1: I was. Uh, We bought the home as a weekend retreat, Um, but the more we were here, the more time we spent, the more we fell in love with the area, the community, and the people. Now, what put
0: WT on your son's radar? I mean, there are plenty of places to go to college in Oklahoma.
1: Sure, absolutely. He was interested in teaching, and um, one of our dear friends was a guidance counselor in Tulsa, and she suggested to him that if he wanted to teach, he should teach in Texas, and if he wanted to teach in Texas, he should go to a Texas school. And he ran track in high school, and this was on his radar as far as track. So he initially came out here to run track, okay, but then became involved in other areas and, and never ran. And how long ago was that? That was in 2013. Um, and for people that don't know...
0: Uh, Paladuro Estates. Don't know that sure. community. Tell tell us about that.
1: So Paladura Canyon Estates is about a mile um before the park entrance of Paladura Canyon. So our home literally sits on the edge of the canyon. So we have beautiful views. My favorite part was the sunrise. Um we bought our home, uh, I want to say we closed on a Labor Day weekend and from then on, it was like that was where I wanted to be to watch the sunrise.
0: So that puts your home on uh, looking east over yes. the canyon, is that right? So That's the sun correct. comes up, you're looking at that, and the sun sets behind you, it's lighting up the canyon walls. That's right correct. Okay. Beautiful colors. So that was several years ago, but now it's not just a weekend stop for you. Is that it correct? is no
1: longer a weekend stop.
0: So tell me what happened. How did that work?
1: You know, I based on my background and my career, I've always been a very conservative person and always had goals in mind, whether that was retirement at a certain year or at a certain dollar amount that I had saved and, you know, was just on that train of thought. In 2015, earlier in 2015, I was incorrectly diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Incorrectly. Incorrectly. Wow. I'm still here talking to you. And so, you know, when someone hits something, an event like that in their life, it does give you time to reflect. And so my goals of hitting a certain dollar amount or a certain age had changed and I wanted to enjoy the journey more than looking at a retirement age and I absolutely love what I do and so when we were out here visiting and I saw this home that I loved I saw the beauty of the canyon I saw it in different eyes than I would have seen six months earlier and so I looked at my husband and I just said you know why not If we don't like it, we'll sell it. Mm -hmm. And so we bought the home. We were coming down here quite often. And as you can imagine, I-40 got a little boring after a while. And so I decided that maybe I would work out of my home in Paladura one week a month. Um, I deal with a lot of clients that didn't live in Oklahoma, didn't live in Texas. So really where I was talking with them on the phone didn't matter. And it doesn't require a ton of face-to-face time. Not necessarily. I do like to see clients on a annual basis, at least face-to-face, mm-hmm. but a lot of our interactions are over the phone. And with technology today, you can use GoToMeeting or Skyping and still be able to have that facial recognition. But I'm a people person. And so... Working from my home, looking at the view, seeing the odd ed um, walk up or the deer, or I had a roadrunner that seemed to always be out the door, was pleasant. I wasn't around people. Right. So I began to think bigger. And I thought, you know, if you're going to do this, you need to either go big or go home. And so I began to talk to my partners in Tulsa about the idea. And Mariner Wealth Advisors is a nationally and the headquarters are in Kansas City. When I approached the CEO about the idea, he just was delighted with the thought of opening an office in Amarillo. Um, They are in the midst of expanding themselves and want a footprint in every state. And so if it was something that I was passionate about they were on board and ready to back me in any way. It's interesting because, you know, first the first thought was, why Amarilla? We've heard so many, why Amarilla? But, you know, most of the people just think about Amarilla as I 40 getting somewhere else.
0: Right. And I, I wanted to talk about that because, I mean, obviously you have. A connection to amarillo because you had a son going to school here and then you had a home here But there that wasn't the only reason you thought this would make a great place to open up an office is that
1: correct that's correct it's the people okay it's the people it's the industries here um we did a due diligence study of the wealth advisors in the area because there there is plenty of competition in that area there are there are many wealth advisors and good wealth advisors And we felt that what we do at Mariner is a little different than the offerings here in Amarillo. So that was the study, and that was enough for me to decide to open up the office. I mean, I believe in myself. I'm very passionate about what I do. And I thought, well, if anybody can make it work, I can. So we opened up. So how long ago was that? Actually um, moved into the space in November of... Uh, last year, okay, but it wasn't until um, February of eighteen that I really began being here on a consistent, near full time basis. Tell me about
0: the process of you know coming in fresh to a new community, one where you know the the wealth advisor world is built on relationships. Right. You you may not have had those built in relationships. You didn't grow up here. You didn't know you know families here for forever. So how do you set about? you know, making an already established business work in a new footprint, a new environment?
1: Well, I initially, um, before opening the office, I created what I called Suzanne's Advisory Council. I picked five people in the community in Canyon and Amarillo that I had become friends with either by church or, you know, meeting them in the community. And I valued their opinion and I wanted their help. I wanted them to help me decide was this an option? Was I just excited about Paladora Canyon? Right. Or figure out a way to have sure, a business. Sure, exactly. Or was this truly a place where I could come and help people like I had um, great success in doing so in Tulsa? And as I began to talk with them, they gave me ideas. Each of them gave me maybe five lists of. Uh, five names of people to meet in the community. Um, I sit on a board in Oklahoma that I'm extremely passionate about, and a gentleman that joined our board used to practice law in Amarillo. And so he gave me names, and I proceeded to call each and every one of these people. And when I would call and say, you know, my friend suggested I meet you, could I come in? It wasn't only, yes, you can come in, but it was. Let me gather my partners. I was overwhelmed by the open doors. Is that something that you had not encountered, you know,
0: previously, like in Tulsa or anywhere else? Is that something unique? Here? It was unique. You it seemed
1: surprising to you. It, it was surprising to me because, again, I was, you know, just someone coming into town and didn't didn't know anybody, and that they would say yes, and. Um, while I had many, many connections in Tulsa, it took years to develop those relationships. And I hadn't even moved here on a full-time basis, nor did I have an office space at that time. But yet people were saying, yes, please come tell us about yourself. Do you have a sense of why that is like comparing
0: Amarillo to Tulsa or to another city of this size? Do you think is, is there some inherent characteristic here that, that you think is driving that openness or that friendliness?
1: I think the size of the town may have a little bit to do with that. I think the tight connection and the family orientation that is here might be a little different than Tulsa. Um, not that there aren't tight knit groups or large families in Tulsa, but there are many groups, and it's it sometimes is tough to break in those circles.
0: Tell me about the business environment that you've encountered here. Um, Just in terms of opening up a new business, finding the support uh, for entrepreneurs or anything in that world, is is this a place that is is trying to drive that kind of growth?
1: I think that Amarillo and the community, they're open to new businesses coming in, just like myself. I mean, being inviting and, and letting you come in. I think Amarillo wants to grow. I think they want to see change. And, you know, that's not the norm. I know that maybe there's some pushback. You know, when I first came here, there was talk of the baseball stadium. And I would hear various opinions. Yes, we want it. No, we don't want it. Or we don't want it downtown. We encountered the same thing in Tulsa. Um, We had a baseball field in one part of town, and then they wanted to move it downtown. There was all kinds of controversy about that, but we went beyond it, and they built it downtown. It was the best thing for Tulsa, and I see a lot of the growth that's happening in downtown Amarillo now, like I saw in Tulsa five to ten years ago.
0: What are some of the things that, I guess, maybe you've come to learn or understand about Amarillo um, living here and working here full-time versus you know where you were a couple of years ago you know coming in on the weekends um, has there been anything as you begin to understand the city better that that has struck you or uh, or kind of caught your attention?
1: you know we have had good luck um, in the community as far as getting engaged in different activities uh, sitting on different boards and that's come quickly it's it seems like it's been a lot easier than when I started in Tulsa. And I don't know if my experience coming into the to the new area that maybe they'd like some different ideas, mm-hmm. but it's been very- A lot of awesome. the same
0: people seem to serve on a lot of the same boards. I mean, there's a lot of right. overlap in the nonprofit right. world. And so somebody with a a fresh idea or perspective is sure i think always really welcome
1: and somebody that i mean my goal was to meet everybody in town in fact when we our first quarter here of this year i was at 32 events in three weeks and so that's out hitting it you know it, it's not that i'm coming in to work and sit at my desk from eight to five there's a lot that goes on after five mm-hmm. at these events and we just wanted to come in and attend every community event that we could to see where we found our place within the community. Um, Mariner had, is very good at giving back. They promote their employees to get out and get involved in the community with not only their time but their resources. Mariner has a foundation. and um, So, you know, when I ask, oh, there's this, you know, Something going on in Amarillo, I believe in it, and this is why. They want to help support the community. And not every business is like that, especially one that's only been here less than a year.
0: Yeah, that's true. So what what are some of the
1: places that you've gotten involved? Um, I sit on the Opportunity School Board, which I'm very passionate about, love what they do. We also do a lot with the Panhandle Plains Museum. The WT subscription series is something that we have um, engaged in and love every moment of that. The symphony, um, there's so much to do here. There's so many areas to get involved in. And again, you know, we buy tickets to events to see if that's a fit for us or can we be a fit for them.
0: A lot of people who live here, especially young people, it's kind of common thing for them to say, well, there's nothing to do here. We want to go mm. to a big city and, and do some stuff and have some opportunities. As someone who came from a larger urban area to Amarillo, how do you respond to that?
1: You know, my husband and I have had many discussions about this because we find that there is so much to do here. I mean, if if you can't find something to do in Amarillo, you're not looking hard enough. But we weren't a visitor in our own town in Tulsa. You know, I was born and raised there. And so I think you get involved in your day-to-day routine and you stay in your isolated area of town where you work, where you shop, where your kids attend school. There were no limits for us here because we needed to investigate the entire panhandle. So not just... Canyon and Amarillo. We were out and about everywhere we could be. And it's funny uh, when I when I talk to people that are in that age group that you're you're thinking of that think that they want to move out of Amarillo. I always just smile and say, I'll be anxious to talk with you after you've moved to Dallas or Tulsa mm. or Kansas City. And have been there for a few years. You see a lot of those people moving back. Yeah, and then let's let's talk again when you come they back. They do. And, yeah, they do. And and this is a beautiful community to raise a family. You know, one thing that um, really stood out to me is this community is faith based, and they are not embarrassed, ashamed to bring that out on the table. In fact, one of the things that I noticed the most was when we would be out at these events, you know, it's, you know, you introduce yourself. How did you get here? Where are you from? The next question is, where do you attend church? That was unusual for me. I've had business meetings where I meet someone for lunch and they uh, want to bless the food before we begin. That was so refreshing to me. And that was—I mean, Tulsa is not
0: particularly in a godless part of Oklahoma. Not I mean, at all. it's just as conservative a place as Amarillo. Absolutely,
1: is. absolutely. But I—I I think that at times, and—and and I could put myself in this place and in many colleagues, that we don't want to offend anyone. We don't know if we're of the same faith or if there is a faith here it's just assumed that there is and if there's not we want to help you find your faith
0: I'd, I'd like to let you talk a little bit about your career as a wealth advisor um you know for people for listeners who maybe don't know precisely what that term means tell me what what that means
1: sure i began in the industry in 1997 in tulsa um Still partners with Janice Shoulders, who's the one that um, had the idea of starting the firm in Tulsa. And we both came from an accounting background. She had an accounting firm. And we opened our registered investment advisory firm where that was just beginning to peak. We were surrounded by broker-dealers where they charged a commission to buy or sell a stock for you. But there was no planning, no advice that went along with that, or if it did, it was rare. And so we decided to open up one of the first registered investment advisory firms there. And we wanted to be on the same side of the table as our clients um, and charge a fee, which was new to the industry. So when the clients did well, we did well. We didn't want to continue keeping timesheets and recording our time and billing our time. And we also wanted our clients to be able to talk to us as much as they wanted and not think, oh, the time clock is clicking. Right. So, you know, typically people think of an advisor, uh, they're going to put an asset allocation together for you, invest your funds and monitor them. Really, that is a very small piece of what we do. We're all about relationships, Um, multi-generational families. We work with a lot of them. And, you know, sometimes we find that we're a mediator between the different generations. Mm -hmm. It's hard for, you know, the, the oldest generation to relate to the youngest and to talk about money and prepare someone for wealth. We do a lot of that. You know, some people say, oh, you're a counselor. Well, some of the times we are. And, you know, we walk them through the financial and estate planning process. You know, are you prepared if there was an untimely death? What would you want to see with your wealth if, if you did pass? Insurance planning. A lot of that is on people's radar. But is it something that you're looking at every day, all day long? And I have a passion with helping people through life. I had um, a child that had an illness. She actually needed a, a kidney transplant. I gave her a kidney. My husband has given her a kidney. So we walked through that road of you know despair. I guess mm-hmm. you would say with your your child may not make it. I had my incorrect um, diagnosis. I've lost both of my parents. So. That's a lot of life situations. Um, I began to work with people during these life transitions, and I actually picked up a designation about two years ago that is a certified financial transitionist, which I, the, the title sounds like yeah, a tell magician. Me what, what transitionist <laughs> means. So it's really helping people with the emotional side of money. You pick up the technical piece with a certified financial planner, which we've got many in town, but this designation is totally emotional. How to deal with wealth. You know, the statistics are crazy about how somebody can win the lottery and be bankrupt in five years. Yeah. The same I've always thought I could get past. That, oh, sure! You know, that I would be one of those who could handle it, but that's never been.
0: We we in my hope lap. that's
1: the case, and you could if you got the right advice, but you have to really prepare for that wealth. And it's very interesting to walk someone through that path. And you know, it's a windfall whether it's the lottery, an inheritance, a large gift, a sale of a business, then also loss with death or divorce. Or retirement, you've lost a job. You wanted to lose it, but are you really prepared of what life looks like for you when you don't have that high-powered executive job that you used to go in and and you were contributing to the employees there, to your clients, to society, to now you're retired and you don't want to sit in a chair? You know, sometimes people have the wealth to retire, and do anything they want to do, but they don't have that drive or that passion or they don't feel like they're contributing to society. Mm -hmm. So helping people through these various transitions on the emotional side, which is a lot of listening, talking, helping them find their new passion.
0: I'm interested in thinking of money or finances from an emotional standpoint. Um, and I, I didn't know you were going to bring this up, but I mean, I, I know that we talk about people having love languages, you know, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. people have, you know, different connections to money too, they do. whether they depend on it for their security or whether it gives them fulfillment and being able to give to people that, mm-hmm. you know, fights between couples about money is based on their relationship to money. And that's a very emotional
1: it is, it is, and I've had the opportunity to um, work with some people prior to marriage, which I, I think this is something that everybody that's thinking about cohabitating or entering into a marriage, that you think about the financial side. I have, you know, a, a, 10 questions that I independently ask each party, and then we can come together as a group. And you'd be surprised at the couples that have never had discussions about finances or even to the part of, do we commingle our resources? And when you get a couple that is two months from marriage and you've got one that says, yes, we would have shared bank accounts and one that says, no, that's an opportunity to flush this out Prior to the Yeah. Marriage. Talk about that conversation now yes. don't wait till a year And, and marriage. not that you can't work it out. You know, a lot of it is, well, what, what's the answer or what, what are the thoughts behind that answer? Me being a mediator and really they're talking, but maybe I, I propose some questions or some things for them to think about. So, and I haven't had anybody that said, oh, we're not getting married. But I have had many that have come back and said, thank you so much for allowing us to walk down this road prior to marriage when there are all different kinds of things that come up that can cause controversy. I want to back up a little bit and ask you about your
0: mistaken cancer diagnosis. Okay. Um, That's fascinating to me.
1: It wasn't very fascinating to me at the time.
0: Tell me how that happened.
1: Well, I am uh, very, what would I say? I'm very energetic. I don't have a lot of downtime. And I realized that I wasn't feeling well, that I had a to-do list that was long. So I kept going down that to-do list. And travel was part of that. And I went to a seminar And as you know, when you go to a seminar, you're sitting in a chair, and you can really feel your body. And I thought, something's not right. I don't feel well. And I was flying back to Tulsa that evening, and I got pretty sick at the airport. And they finally allowed me to get on the plane because I I was just dying to get to my hometown where I knew my doctor's. And so I went to see a doctor that was a friend, told him how I felt, and, you know, he ran some tests. Nothing was showing up. And I had just returned from Mexico. And I say just returned. It had been about three weeks. Um, had spent maybe five days there. And I progressively got worse, saw my um, primary physician, had actually packed my hospital bag because I knew something was not right. And so he sent me to the hospital. They began running tests. I kept telling them I just got back from Mexico. Maybe I picked something up there. But my age and um, the condition that I was in, the things that I was feeling, if you looked on a sheet of paper, it really was the diagnosis of pancreatic. Cancer, And so I was so exhausted that I could hardly be an advocate for myself, but mm-hmm. my husband was there and he kept talking um, to the doctors. But the first doctor that I saw had taken some blood work and he wasn't giving up. And, and they did a test for hepatitis. And I had contracted hepatitis A while I was in Mexico. I didn't know it was in Mexico. And really had not done any studies on what hepatitis was, which I was uh, not very thrilled to hear about what that was. But anyway, uh, probably three weeks after that, there was an article that came out that 80 people contracted hepatitis A, which you get from uh, food or water, in this remote area of Mexico, during this ten day period, and mm. I was right in the middle of that ten day period. Wow! So it, it was enlightening, you know. And, and hepatitis—if you know it—that um, you have it, and you let your body rest, you get over it quickly. But I just kept yeah, yeah. going. But there was a news broadcast on television, and they were talking about the hepatitis outbreak and the travel warning that the CDC had put out. And it said that, you know, 80 people contracted hepatitis A, including one lone Oklahoman. Oh, that is not what I wanted to be recognized as. Luckily, my name wasn't out there, but it has. You didn't put that on your LinkedIn? No, the didn't put Oklahoma it on my profile. But it did give me an opportunity to talk with others about there's a vaccine for this. Yeah. And, you know, I would have loved to have thought about that $10 vaccine. Prior to a four week recovery. But as I said, I always think everything happens for a reason. And, and that's kind of a, a cliche. You don't really, people, some people don't want to hear that. But it led me to different areas. It led me to Amarillo. And I, I, I feel like each decision my husband and I made about buying the second home about me starting a business. He he is making a career change. Um, everything was yes. And and I feel like God led us here for a reason. And we, we are happy to be here.
0: So if, if you don't know me, I'm a writer. I'm a copywriter. I provide marketing copy for a number of different businesses and, and have um, very few local clients. And with one of those clients, I've had the privilege of working on video shoots, commercial shoots, uh, with Wilson Lemieux. And some of the most fun spots that I've ever really been a part of uh, have been projects that, that he was involved in too. And and they're the ones that make people think, wow, did some big national agency make that? And the answer is no, it was Amarillo People. Um, that's why I, lo- I love Wilson. He's a homegrown videographer. He's got a ton of talent. He's great at what he does. And he's focused on creating content that evokes emotion and provokes action. And so whether it's like a 30-second spot on TV or a branded short film you're going to put on YouTube or your website, Lemieux Company digs deep to understand the target audience and the story that your business wants to tell. And he combines that understanding with a really strong track record, um, one that involves compelling visuals and beautiful storytelling. Uh, He generates a creative project that gets results. And so people end up talking about the stuff that Wilson produces, edits, writes, creates, and I really do enjoy working with him. So you can find more about Lemieux Company online at lemieux.company. That's L-E-M-I-E-U-X. Lemieux Company. Better content, better stories. Okay, we're back with Suzanne Wheeler of Mariner Wealth Advisors. Suzanne, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. You've listened before, so you know the drill. I'm going to ask you eight questions your job as my guest is to answer those in whatever degree of detail you want to. Okay. Um, very first one, and, and we've covered a little bit of this, but I, I wanted to give you a chance to just give like one good answer. After you moved here, what was the thing that surprised you most about Amarillo?
1: And we have covered this, but the, the one thing that did surprise me most was all the things Amarillo had to offer. As far as things to do. Okay.
0: So it, it wasn't the wind or it wasn't the occasional smell blowing in from the southwest. It, it was it was the availability of of stuff.
1: That's right. And and you talk about the wind and the smell. I, I think I had a different attitude. There were so many things I loved about the area. Those are minor.
0: And if you're from Tulsa, I mean you're probably used to construction and traffic and am, the things that people complain about now, no big deal, right?
1: Well, the construction here is is a little much at times.
0: (laughs) Um, What local restaurant has become your favorite?
1: I would say Tyler's Barbecue. Okay. And that may be default. My husband is a huge barbecue fan, but we've eaten there so much, you know, it's almost they know our name. And he does a great job.
0: Uh, Tyler's has a statewide reputation. Did that extend into Oklahoma? Like, did you know about Tyler's before you came to Amarillo? Or did no. you have to discover it I discovered
1: it. We did not know about Tyler's. Okay. And in fact, um, in Tulsa, there's a barbecue restaurant called Burn Co. And Tyler wanted to know all about Burn Co. And what we thought, you know, when comparing the two restaurants... Tyler's one.
0: Okay. And, you know, Tulsa's a little bit closer to Kansas City, which sure. has different barbecue right. traditions than right. Texas does. How how does the barbecue back there compare to what you've had here?
1: Um, I I think that Tulsa and Texas, I feel, are more similar than Tulsa and Kansas City. Okay. What does this area have too much of? It's the same answer on most of your podcasts, but the construction. And it it seems like in the last sixty days it's gotten worse, um, as far as you know roads being shut down. But that means progress. Mm-hmm. And I always tell my clients there's uh, one fund that I love to purchase for clients, and it's global infrastructure. And so I always tell them when you see those orange barrels and you see the construction, we're all making money. Yeah, that means so I, I just up. grin and bear it. What does this area not have enough of? Maybe concerts in Tulsa, um, they had a concert every other week at least. I see concerts going to Lubbock, but I don't see that they're coming down to Amarillo. So maybe that's something we could work on. And actually with the revitalization of downtown and the new stadium, it could be like we experienced in Tulsa and that will come. Yeah.
0: I think that's on the radar of a lot of people, you know, back in the eighties, even the nineties, Amarillo used to get a lot of concerts as a stopover, you know, Mm -hmm. between Oklahoma city and Albuquerque or wherever, you know, as the venues started to get larger in Lubbock or in Oklahoma City, um, then sort of the mid-sized ones fell away, and I, I think that's where we've we've lost a lot is not having one that's quite the right size.
1: Right, right. Well, it will come, I'm sure. Of I it. think it will, I along it with will. more direct flights. I hope. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I, I
0: usually ask this question to people who have lived here for a long time. You're relatively new, so I, I want to phrase it this way: uh, of Cadillac Ranch, the Big Texan, or Paladuro Canyon. Which of those places have you been to? I've been to all of them. Okay. Um, I, I mean, you li- live on the rim of Palo Duro Canyon. I do, so I get th- I'm there, there every day,
1: uh, and it's beautiful. I've been to uh, the Big Texan, maybe within the last couple of years. Cadillac Ranch. It's probably been ten years, but I have been there. Okay,
0: but so that was before you even lived right. in this area.
1: That's right. That was when I didn't know about Amarilla, and I was on I forty heading somewhere else. Okay. What's your favorite neighborhood in the city? I would say Oliver Eccle, and I think that's the name of it. But I love the cobblestone streets, Mm -hmm. the older homes. I think it has a lot of character. Okay, and that's
0: some of the best architecture, the best trees, Mm -hmm. some of the best streets in Amarillo are in that area. Right. Um, How do you describe Amarillo to people outside the area? So if you're talking to somebody back home in Tulsa and they're like, where did you move? What what's mm-hmm. that place like? What do you tell them?
1: I I tell them I first start out by telling them Amarillo is not what you have in your mind, which typically is I-40. And in fact, I have had probably a dozen people come from Tulsa and spend the weekend or spend time here because they are shocked, you know, why Amarillo? But when I get them here, they totally get it. It's, it's the community. It's the beauty. It's um, the people. Okay. It is all about the people. And what's your favorite local coffee shop? Palace. Why I, is that? I've been a, a Palace fan for a number of years. One, I, I was introduced by, to Palace by my son's credit card. Um, for several years, I would just see this, Why is rich, this reoccurring 5 to $6 every morning, and I thought, I've got to see what this is. And so on a visit, I did go to Palace Coffee, and I fell in love with it then. People talk about Emerillo uh, and Canyon, about the coffee culture here.
0: Um, is, is there a comparable environment in tulsa i mean did you have coffee shops like that
1: we we did have a few um, independent coffee shops like that and one particular uh, double shot downtown i think that was the place to be and similar to what you see in in palace and so we have several people that think they are the the coffee wizards in tulsa And I've taken them to Palace, and they get their coffee, a bag of coffee to go. So it is every bit as good as anything in Tulsa. All right. Well, that concludes the eight straight questions. Suzanne, i like to end by asking
0: my guests to endorse something related to the area. So what is a distinct Amarillo thing that you want people to know about or to experience?
1: Oh, I would say I have two things that okay. um, I think everybody should know about. One is Opportunity School. And we've seen several things in the news recently about the lack of child care in Amarillo. We need more child care. I do sit on the Opportunity School Board. And I've seen how they interact with the children. It's not just your typical daycare. It's actually education. It's for lower-income families. And they have two campuses starting to build another campus. That's on the horizon. But I think when we think of childcare, that's our future. That's the future of Amarillo. And if you can start early, the statistics are out there about starting early, early learning, early development, how they can grow into what we want our next generation to be. The other thing that I would mention and something that we ran into um, as we were uh, getting involved in the community is the WT subscription series. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I've heard about it, but I'm I'm not super familiar with it. I think they have about six events throughout the year, maybe more, but it's really uh, showcasing the fine arts at WT. Each of these events will showcase a different area. So it may be the orchestra, it may be theater. They have a cocktail hour before, so that is a membership that you get involved in it, the membership is $300 it's unbelievable for the amount and the $300 may be a couple it's very inexpensive okay. for what you get so you had the cocktail hour prior to the event the first one i went to was listening to the brass choir at the catholic church in Umbarker. oh my gosh it would it just blew me away one the church is beautiful mm-hmm. But um, hearing that brass choir inside that church, the acoustics, was wonderful. It just took my breath away, and it made me want to be a part of this group. So anybody out there looking for something to join, I would suggest looking them up, WT Subscription Series. Suzanne Wheeler, thank you so much for appearing on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you for including me. I'm glad to be in Amarillo. Ah, we're
0: glad to have you here. Thank you. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Suzanne for the interview. You can learn more about her and Mariner at MarinerWealthAdvisors.com. Thanks again to Lemieux Company for sponsoring this show in the last couple shows. Executive producers of Hey Amarillo include Patrick Burns, Wes Reeves, Jennifer Callahan, Ryan Pennington, Katie Linger, Corey Burns, Daniel Davis, and Wilson Lemieux. Find out more about this podcast at heyamarello.com. Look for us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. If you appreciate the show, leave a review. That's one way to support it. A second way to support it is by becoming part of my Patreon community at patreon.com slash heyamarello. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.